Hi. Hello. Are you okay? <laughs> she just looked really nervous, like, don't ask that question. Are you okay? Are you happy? You kind of just... It's right. I'm, I'm not insecure. I just wanted to kind of like, you know, say hello. Um, thank you. Uh, we're really grateful to um, Tim. I think Tim's gone out for... What is that? We're really grateful to Tim and Sarah and uh, the kind of team here. I just wanted to say it. We're so grateful. They've made Sue and I really welcome um, in this church and in this place. And uh, the friendship's been amazing. But I really wanted to honor their, just their kind, open-hearted welcome to us. And um, we love just being with you guys. You're okay, aren't you? Well, I'm doing my best. <laughs> Um, I, I've got a kind of strange thing to talk to, uh, share about and uh, it's interesting what Sarah just brought about the Queen and the uh, Crown and remembering victories and uh, I love the fact that God is the best dad I've ever ever known and seems to be astonishing in his kind care towards me I love that stuff it just anchors me in a way I've never known in all my journey to be so, so looked after by the kind of fathering he does. And I've tried to, over the last, I don't know how long, honey, 15 years probably, tried to regain the heart of a son that can allow him to father me 24-7. How many would like that? You know, like that's the goal, isn't it? Surely. I've tried to regain that because I lost it, never had it, and it's taken time to regain having the heart of a son or a daughter and to genuinely every day say God please I would love you to father me into every detail of my life I think that's his intention but a strange thing happened to me last year when I was kind of making this journey is uh, I began somewhere around September last year to constantly have this little whisper in my heart. I guess you get those whispers. And the whisper was this. Which please don't frown. The whisper was. We are at war. We are at war. And it kept coming. We are at war. And I thought. Oh, yeah but you're a father who loves me. And, and it kept coming. We're at war. And I, I, I kind of secretly tried to. You know look up some verses. And check it out. And. Um, and uh, it grew and grew in me that um, while being fathered and gaining the heart of a son, he also wanted to give back authority to his sons and daughters for the days we're in. It doesn't take a prophet to say this world is in a war, does it? It doesn't, doesn't need a prophet. I mean, it's just two huge kingdoms are colliding more and more in absolute opposition to each other. The kingdom of heaven is increasing on the earth and the dominion of darkness hates it and there's a clash, isn't there? That's just kind of increasing. Don't you sense that? I don't mean, you, 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 you don't have to frown because as somebody said it tonight, the war has actually been won. Absolutely one. Jesus said, I've already overcome the world, so don't fear. But I, I felt like the Lord was awakening in my own journey a deep sense of, oh my goodness, we are in a war and we're meant and called to be active in that war. And uh, it started a whole journey, which I won't go into now. 
But, you know, I, I started looking at verses like this where, where it says in Ephesians, it says, And you were raised with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It's Ephesians 2, yeah? Now, don't, don't go funny on me, will you? But do you understand what that means? Or just yawn and say, well, you're fine, whatever. But it says you were raised with Christ and seated with him. Does that mean anything on Monday morning or is it just, yeah, very good. That's a great Ephesians verse. And I felt like I just had no idea what it was to be seated with Christ in my normal day, if you like, in heavenly places, somehow trying to come from that position into my normal life. And it's been a a fascinating journey because I've just gone on and on pursuing, Lord, what does it mean to be seated with you? How many of you have got a deep sense of that already established? Has anybody plumbed the depths of that? like to be seated with Jesus the king of kings in the heavenly places what happens if it's like that in university or in you know a retail shop what can you be seated with Jesus in normal life uh, so I pursued this sense of Lord, I don't know what that means do you ever get verses like that just kind of like well I don't know what that means what does it mean to be seated with Jesus anyway I went on a journey his I want and I want to reel back a bit and um uh, I'm going to have to do this quickly, but I've been fascinated with Genesis 3, where it all began. And I don't want you to turn to it now, but you know it well, where you know, the, the, the Satan came and twisted and deceived hugely what God was like, what he said, and his heart. That was the deal, wasn't it? That's the devil. That is his intention. In this war, he always wants to twist and deceive what God is like and what he said and confuse you about who you really are. That's the war, okay? Now, uh, how many of you know after Eve took the apple, what was the next thing she did? You have to talk to me because it helps me. Huh? Bit it? <laughs> yep, she bit it. That's absolutely true. Then what? She what? Who said that? She gave it to Adam? Exactly right. It says this. And Eve gave some to Adam, listen, who was with her, and he ate it. What do you think? Why did he do that? He ate it. Who was he? Well, he was God's dearest first son, wasn't he? Wasn't he? He was, he was a son of heaven. He, he kind of lived in you know, the garden and fellowship with his father. And he was the most glorious, powerful son. How many of you remember the mandate God gave them? What was it? It was this. Be fruitful. <laughs> multiply. Fill the earth and... Go on. Do what? Subdue it. That sounds like a king to me, doesn't it? What do you think? What an amazing mandate... From, you know, his father in heaven was, I want you to do this, guys. And then Eve gets twisted and deceived, and Adam's next to her. And I think, Adam, what, what, you, what should he have done? I'm sorry I ask questions. I know it's boring on a Sunday night, but I just need a bit of... What should he, what should he have done? Huh? What? Said, don't do it, love. It's a bit dangerous. Huh? I wouldn't if I were you. you know, get a grapefruit. You know, it's like, what should he have done? This is, this is the high son of the king of heaven. And his wife is about to, she's just munched 
And, you know, do you want some, darling? Yes, please. Like, please, what's going on here? The high king of heaven with all the authority. I'm, I'm going to be quiet. Okay, just calm down. The high king of heaven with all the authority bursting from a mandate is about to hand all his authority over to the deceiver. Don't you think Adam could have said, for crying out loud, love, put the stuff down. Don't eat it. And smack you if you don't. I'll smack the apple out of your hand. Just something, wouldn't he? I mean, where's he been? He's been with the father with his mandate to rule and subdue the earth. And his wife is about to chomp the apple and he just says, after you, I'll have some, you know. I'll hand over this God-given mandate by being that dumb, I couldn't stop my wife and then I did it myself. Now, we could laugh, but actually it's, it's where the war began, isn't it? Isn't it? It's where the war began because at that point he handed over the God-given authority to Satan and his wife did. And from that moment onwards, all the authority seeped away from those made in his image. I find it astonishing, don't you? Here's what I learned, and it was really instructive. Passivity leads to compromise, which leads to lack of all authority. Do you understand? Like, okay, whatever. Passion leads to fighting, which leads to regaining what was lost. Why is that a big deal? Because I'd have to say, as I've looked at this, and, and Sue and I have been on the road a bit, and it doesn't look like it, but we have been on the road a bit. Here's my reflection. I wish I jolly well picked up the sword at times and done the battle that needed to be done. But sometimes I allowed circumstances and battles to wear me down and make me think, ah, oh, well, you know what? Life's tough sometimes. It's part of the Christian journey. I know it is. But as I've searched the scriptures, I've found this theme running through which is so full of, how can I put it, heaven's calling for us at times to do battle. And not to give up authority and acquiesce or, you know, kind of just, well, whatever. Do you understand what I'm saying? You look completely foxed. I'm going to stick with it. So there's Adam and Eve. And um, I'll say this as well. I, I, I kind of said it before. Some people say to me, you know, we just need to be at rest. Just be at rest. And of course, that's a profound foundation for our hearts to be at rest. But being at rest is different to being passive. Isn't it? Can I just say it really openly? You were called to invade this world with heaven's mandate. Reclaim territory, occupy it, and see it transformed by how God wants things to be. Weren't you? Just nod. See, I, I could tell, I wish I had three hours, but I'm, I know you don't, but you know, I could just take you through so many scriptures in this theme that if we're, you know, if we're made in his image, he is a warrior. Exodus 15 says he's the warrior. The Lord is his name, he's a warrior. And not a warrior, a warrior. The Lord is a warrior. Do you ever think you're meant to fight and he hopes you're back at you? <laughs> that's, a, that's kind of slightly undermined feeling, isn't it? Well, I'll do battle, but Lord, I hope you'll be with me. Lord, please be with us. That's a rubbish prayer. He's already gone ahead fighting. 
Okay, Gideon. We read Gideon tonight. I better do something with Gideon because I asked for the passage to be read out. That's a very interesting passage. Let me just put the, put the um, background here. I know you think I'm... Just, just stay with me, would you? So as God's people start their journey in the Old Testament... How many of you read Joshua this year? Anybody read Joshua this year? Has anybody read Joshua? You have, sir? Anybody else read Joshua? Yes? I mean, it is a cracking book, isn't it? What's it about? It's about God taking his people out of Egypt in through the wilderness and then into this incredible promised land where they would discover his goodness like they'd never known it before. Everything in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of something profoundly fulfilled through the cross in the New Testament, isn't it? So here we are in the, in the Joshua, and if, you have to go through a lot of Joshua, but the whole deal is he's taking God's people into their land, and he's giving each of them their allotment, their portion, their city, their town, and saying, that's yours, that's yours, that's yours. It's very, very individual and specific. Everybody gets territory. And so Joshua goes in and takes the land, and we discover this in... Uh, why didn't God clear the whole of the land out anyway before they got in there? Why didn't they just kill everybody? Wouldn't that be easier? He's God. Couldn't he just kill everybody and say, okay, there's the land, guys. I've, I've dealt with everybody. Why didn't he do that? Am I asking difficult questions? Why didn't he kill everybody first and, or, rather than saying, you kill them? I know it's a difficult story, but why didn't he? I believe he wants us to partner with him in taking authority back into the earth with him there with us, but us there with him because his heart is to recover the mandate that got lost with Adam and give it back to his people. This is a bit new to me. Because sometimes I've kind of, well, I just like defend myself from the enemy. You know, stay in his love and defend myself from the enemy. I'm more and more thinking, no, I think actually we're called to war at times. Take back territory and understand he's right with us, warring with us to get it back. So Joshua is just a kind of Old Testament picture of all that. Let's go to Gideon. We, we did Gideon tonight, didn't we? Don't you love that story, isn't it? I mean, like... So, <clears throat> Gideon is in the wine press sifting wheat, which is a bit confusing in itself, isn't it? Don't you, don't you sift wheat in a threshing floor, don't you? Why is he in the wine press? He's hiding. <laughs> He's hiding. Please try to hear my heart. I'm just trying to provoke you to think about just how much authority has he given us as his people that he so longs for us to catch hold of and run with again. Because if times are in upheaval now, which they are, by the way, and it's only going to get more, I believe it's the church's finest hour in bringing heaven onto the earth. Isn't it? So here's Joshua, not Joshua, Gideon, and it's a fab story, isn't it? Because the angel rocks up and just sits on a rock, kind of like, hello? <laughs> just like sits as he's sitting on the rock. And he just, says, he just says to Gideon, the Lord's with you, mighty warrior. 
Supposing an angel did that to you, wouldn't all your history, fragileness, weakness, failings, all kind of mass up and say, you're kidding, wrong person. And actually what Gideon says is really, really interesting. He says this, he says, you know, he doesn't say you're kidding, but he does kind of say, well, actually I can't see much evidence of it, honestly, because frankly, our forefathers told us of the wonders you did, God, but it looks to me like you've abandoned us. It's a really interesting bit, by the way, isn't it? Because if you think he's abandoned you when you're meant to be at war, you don't go to war, do you? And then he, so, so the angel's having said, you know, hi, mighty warrior. And then he says, of course, you're kidding. I mean, look at my clan, look at my family. It's a familiar story. But the trouble often is that we relegate people in scripture as particular heroes that have no relevance to our lives. Whereas God wants us to look at them and say, this is just like you. What I say about you can be altogether different to what you think about you. And it's a fascinating story. We haven't got time tonight, but you know the story of Gideon. Of course, the next few chapters are the way God schools him out of that incredible kind of, you know, who am I? And, you know, God, you don't show up anyway. You seem to abandon us. What's the point? And, you know, I'm the weakest clan. It's like God takes him on a journey and says, I'm going to build back into you the heart of a prince. And you know what happens. What is it? Is it 32,000 he has with him? <laughs> and it gets dropped down to... 300? I mean, we're in kind of like squeezy, squeezy, isn't it? 300 and a mass of Midianites, and you know the story. Here's the interesting thing in the middle of that story. As he goes to battle, the cry goes up from the army. It says, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. What a strange phrase. What do you mean a sword for the Lord and for Gideon? Why both? I'm sorry, I'm asking questions again. Why both? Partnering, Debbie, that's great. I, don't you think so? How incredible. A sword for the Lord and for Sue. That means God never intended Sue to go into battle without the Lord having his sword with her and together to put 10,000 to flight. So there seems to be something running, I could go on and on, something running through scripture that says... I don't think it's meant to be a defensive Christian life. It's meant to be an offensive one where we're often invading situations, occupying that area and seeing that area transformed because he's so with us to do battle on his behalf. Now you could say to me, Paul, you've no idea what I'm facing. You know, it's okay for you. No, it's the same for all of us, isn't it? I realize I let my sword down over my Christian journey too many times and I let things happen that shouldn't have happened on my watch I accept that, I own that I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to understand what it is and when I say authority it, it isn't about you know getting your voice more shouty is it okay if I shout louder will the demons tremble it isn't about concentrating on the devil and demons, I'm not saying that do you understand, but the whole sense of the New Testament is hey guys be awake be aware, be what's, you know, kind of, there is a war, isn't there? And, and the problem in the war is that very often I can either blame God, well, God, you've abandoned me, or I blame myself, well, Paul, you failed. 
Don't we? It's not we leap on the devil every time there's trouble, but I've got a feeling he wants us to be more authoritative in trouble to say, how dare you, now we're chasing you out of this situation. How many of you here have got any sense you're called into a particular zone in this world? Uh, how can I put that? That's a, yeah, okay, let's just say it again. How, yeah, how many of you feel you've got a certain, what can I say, uh, um, I'll call it a zone, some part of the, how this world society works, you know you're called into. Wave at me, would you? Just wave at me if you feel called into some area. You know, education, politics, health. What can we say? You know, just put your hand up again if you feel called into it. You, I, there's so many half hands here. We do hold hands, you know. That's it, thank you. Well done. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I find in my own journey, two things are happening. One is I'm aware the first place to win the battle is in here. Here. In my heart and in my thoughts. Don't you find your mind is crucial in the battle to win? Do you ever get negative thoughts? Somebody did a survey once, this was ages ago, they did a survey and they said, big survey of Christians, and they found out, do you remember this is like mid-90s, and they found out that most Christians have about 80% of their thoughts are negative. I didn't believe it, but I thought, oh my goodness. Can I actually be really honest with you? I believe the accuser of the brethren, Satan, bashes your mind with real undermining thoughts because his one desire is you will never be as powerful as God wants you to be. I really do. I believe he, sometimes even in this room tonight, you could be going through a period where he just goes on and on and on and on into your thoughts. You are rubbish. Don't even try. You are such a weakling. And anyway, look at your history. Look at how many messes you make. You really think God's really with you that much? And it goes, it kind of, do you understand? It's sort of like an undermining constant. His desire is to make you small. God's desire is to display you as his sons and daughters, ready for a fight. Um, If he's the accuser, (laughs) night and day, if he got Eve twisted around like that, It's not I want to magnify him, but I want to be aware. Sometimes he can so press your mind, you start to believe it. It could be a horrible, uh, we're going to pray tonight. We're going to just do a bit of business on that. It could be a horrible, oppressive feeling. It's just your rubbish. Don't even, don't even think about it. Don't even, you know, don't risk. Whatever you do, don't risk. It's not worth it. Because you basically, you know, if if you've had a dad who shouts at you, you absolute loser. Trust me, that starts to ingrain in you an undermined sense of, I'm probably not going to ever get up to much. And uh, in 2 Corinthians 10, it says this, it says, um, the weapons we have, I'm going to misquote it are not the weapons of this world. Thanks, Julie. 
2 Corinthians 10, somewhere around 4 or 5, listen to it. They are powerful for demolishing strongholds. Divinely powerful. I have to read that stuff and encourage me and think, wait a minute, I don't want to do what Adam does and just sort of give up a bit of ground and say, well, you know what, I'm pretty tired out. My, there's a time sometimes to pick the sword up, isn't there? These weapons are powerful. What are they for? Demolishing what? Strongholds. And then it goes on and says, it says, um, uh, we demolish every argument pretension and argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God <laughs> how many of you ever get a kind of argument inside that says well I don't know whether I could trust him I, I don't know whether he really loves me today you know what I don't know whether I don't know whether well who's doing that is that you no there's an accuser what do you do I think sometimes I just have to grab my thoughts it says take them captive take them captive for Christ how many of you would like to have, say, 80% go down to 20% negative thoughts? Do you, do you think you could get a bit bolder if that happened? I'll tell you why, because your mind and your thoughts all the time are forming inside you, whether there's a deep sense of who he's called you to be, the Lord's with you, mighty warrior, or whether this accuser is going to keep banging away in your mind until eventually you sink back a bit and say, well, yeah, I guess so. I love asking people what their dreams are. Just did it, didn't I? I love it. And I listen to somebody's heart and I think, oh my goodness, they're an image bearer. They're destined to invade and occupy and even transform territory that's never been... Oh, every time if I say to someone, what's your dream? And, and as I listen, everything wants to say, and don't you touch him, you little, you know to the enemy. Why? Because he will want to diminish you to make you small like Gideon was and hide when the Lord is saying, would you come out and I'll create you into a great warrior. How many of you know you were destined for adventure? For crying out loud, you don't want a church that's newt. Sorry, okay, calm down. Well, you don't want a kind of, do you, do you? you don't want a subdued, quiet sort of, like we're just Christians and we know it's hard. And I know it's hard. But something inside me wants to be, do you know what, kind of like saying, come on Lord, I want to stand up with a sword at times and poke him in the... Don't you? Have we got four minutes left? Thank you, Tim. Uh, if you said no, I'd be released. Five. <laughs> Let's go to Acts 3. Let's just do a little bit of biz, then we'll pray. Acts 3. I think... Acts, Acts. Tim was really good when we shared this in uh, Sri Lanka. We shared a bit of this kind of stuff in Sri Lanka because I was sort of rolling around with it. And um, I was talking about lifting the sword up. <laughs> and Tim, being pretty prophetic and on the ball, he, he just kind of made the point at the end of that. He said, of course, two hands on the sword, wasn't it? Two hands on the sword means all, what were you, the, the point, all your might, wasn't it? All your, go on, say something. It was in the film. Oh, I got into the film, wasn't it? Oh, tell me about the film. How many of you have seen King Arthur? The recent film. Just, just pretend you did. I mean, don't pretend, but just acknowledge you did. Just acknowledge you did. How many of you saw King Arthur? Come on, raise your hands. Are you not many of you? 
Oh, I mean, it's not the greatest acting, but the story. It's got. <laughs> yes, David Beckham does have a smallish role. <laughs> yes, it's, it, I wouldn't say the acting is astonishing, but the story is absolutely fab. I won't go. It is a bit long, but it is honestly, it's so prophetic in the fact that he has to pull the sword out of the stone with both hands, and then God, oh my God, <laughs> and then he gets trained in how to use the sword because he can't handle the sword. It's so powerful. The Bible says he trains my hands for what? For what? For war. He trains my hands for war. And so uh, Gideon gets trained in this couple of chapters. And then he's out there, a sword for the Lord and Gideon. And, you know, like, that's Old Testament. It's not our weapons are now, you know, let's go killing people. No, 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 no. That's for uh, a deceptive religion. The weapons we have are not the weapons of this world. Not even unforgiveness and vengeance do we have in our armory, do we? We have forgiveness. But we have a degree of authority on us. I wonder whether for some of you in the room, if you get it in your hearts, you will invade areas never yet invaded because God is after getting the whole world back. You say, well, it's a bit tricky now, isn't it? And no, I honestly believe as darkness grows, the glory of God's going to come upon his people more. Did you understand? So, where were we? That was the film. Oh, it's a great film. Don't look at it for David Beckham. That wouldn't be worth it. Okay. Not, not that he's bad. I just mean maybe it's not acting's his main thing. Okay. So Acts 3, you know this well. I'm just going to read it. The man in Acts 3 was lame from birth and being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful every day. Okay. You know the story. He's lame from birth. Then Peter said, verse 6, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is the answer of all answers. There's nothing in my name, if you like, as a person. There's nothing in me that has anything for this situation. It's absolutely impossible. You're lame from birth. There, I, don't go, I don't have anything. My name is bankrupt as far as this situation is concerned. Yeah? You ever been faced with that? <laughs> In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. I'd just been reading that again recently and thinking, even the name of Jesus grants us an extraordinary authority to do damage. I mean, in the enemy's camp, doesn't it? And sometimes you hear people say, in the name of Jesus, da 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 da. So it's kind of like a little religious thing. We, we, we kind of, you know, we tack it in because we hope something will happen. Can I explain to you very simply before we finish? In the name of Jesus, I, I use this analogy. It's like a, a very, very poor woman marrying a very, very rich man. What happens to her name? Her name is now the name of the very rich man. One minute she was profoundly poor. The next minute she's sweeping into top class restaurants or shops or whatever fashion things. And she's just saying, I'll have this. What's your name? Oh, yeah, of course. Now, it's a poor analogy, but actually we're married to Christ. We're clothed with Christ. We have been completely hidden in the King of Kings. And I... I, I I'm still trying to figure it out, but I figure that when we say in the name of Jesus into a sickness situation, 
we shouldn't think I hope it does a little bit because I've used his name we may need a revelation again of what it actually means when we're married to him and we're coming on his behalf and he's the warrior and we're saying get up and walk now I, I haven't seen that happen but you know what I'd like to press in to get nearer to that wouldn't you don't you think some breakthroughs this year would be really encouraging don't you come on talk to me don't you think some breakthroughs this year like I, I, I surely I can't just read that and not think Jesus I'd like to understand better the authority you want to give back to us as long as my heart is not orphaned and I mess up I understand that some people well we need to remain humble you know I don't understand why people say that about authority do you what do you what, of course we do that's the kind of given isn't it well, in other words, don't get too... Why not? Surely the cross is the loosing of the ultimate return of the mandate back on God's people that Adam gave away at the beginning. Isn't it? So I'd like to see a lame person get up in a moment of time and run. Wouldn't you? Don't you? I mean, come on, guys. Aren't we born for it? Or am I imagining it? Aren't we born to say some things do some things that so invade and occupy that that area is transformed in whatever way from that moment onwards? Because we dare to say, Lord, train my hands for war. Wow, what a, what a, what a gang you'd be, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I don't know quite where I want all that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's more callings in this room than some church families I know to actually go out and do exploits that you were born for. You were born for adventure, not conformity. You were born, do you understand? You were born to kind of invade, change things, because heaven was so with you. And... Um, I want to do two things, actually, if we could, just real quick. I know I've gone on a bit long. I want to pray for those of you, right, in a minute, who are oppressed at the moment with a horrible, constant, undermining sound from the enemy, and it's making you hide and feel very small. I want to pray in that name of Jesus that that will come to an end tonight. I don't need to raise my voice. Using his name doesn't mean you have to shout. It just is, I believe I'm clothed with Jesus Christ. I believe you are as well. And I think sometimes we just say, that's enough. Let's loose your mind to be taken captive again so you feel like a warrior, not like someone who has to hide because, you know, you're rubbish. I want to pray also for those of you who know your call to go places into society I want to just pray he'll give you a revelation of being a mighty warrior would that be okay are you up for that